You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome to episode 20 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to welcome onto the line. It is the editor of the Toolstation Western League Bulletin, Tom Hiscott. Hello, Tom. How are you? Yeah, doing well, thanks. Um, good start to December, so yeah, doing, doing okay. How about you? Well, I'm all right. Have you got your decorations up yet? Uh, no, not, not, not so to speak. I've had a couple of birthdays in the, in the family the last couple of days, so they've taken precedence over Christmas. Well, but, uh, yeah, I'm sure that's uh, on the horizon, which is, yeah, exciting. I went out and got my tree at the weekend, so oh. the Knockholds house is feeling very festive indeed. Um, but I, I did manage to... Um, to get out and take in a game as well on Saturday, which was um, Westbury against Brislington, which will... Didn't um, get too wet, did you? No, it, no, I got very cold. I didn't get particularly oh, right. wet. Um, but, yeah, the second half um, in particular, I could feel it in my bones. Um, so, yeah, not the greatest weather at the moment um, for Western League watching. However, I'm just pleased to see um, the game get on. I mean, we didn't lose too many this week. No. But we did lose a couple. Not a bundle of games lost, and yeah, most of them going ahead, which is good to see. Good to see, as you say. Absolutely, absolutely right. Well, um, we'll start our look back at the last week in the Western League by going all the way back to Tuesday, the fourth of, De- of December, when Ashton and Backwell United entertained Cabri Heath in the Les Phillips Cup. Yeah, indeed, uh, and it was the visitors, Cabri Heath, uh, who booked their spot in the quarterfinal. Uh, a pretty, pretty comprehensive three-nil victory uh, for them away from home. Um, so obviously Premier Division uh, beating the First Division side, so it probably goes, goes as expected. Uh, Matt Huxley scoring twice in the opening 20 minutes for the Heath uh, before George Boone completed the scoring uh, just for half-time. And then, yeah, that was how it stayed, so a 3-0 win for, for Cabra Heath. Now, it would be fair to say that Will and Rovers are coming into a good, a good spell of form at the moment. Of course, we spoke to their chairman... And Mike Mitchell on last week's podcast after that fantastic win in the FA Vars. Well, they were back in cup action on Wednesday, the 5th of December, this time in the Les Phillips Cup, and um, they put Odd down to the sword. Yeah, indeed. Uh, and, um, yeah, quite, yeah, quite, quite astonishingly, a 7-1 win uh, for Willand on, on Wednesday evening. Uh, six goals coming before half-time, so obviously that, that very much laid the foundation for, for, for quite a... Quite a big victory, and uh, yeah, Luke Mortimer, who's their top scorer this season, he managed to get in on the out with a with a hat trick uh, for the Rovers. So yeah, they they join uh, Cabrahith in the in the last day of the competition. Well, uh, we move on then to Saturday, the eighth of December, and um, we uh, had a couple of third round replays in the FA Vars. Of course, two games that didn't beat the weather uh, last weekend. Um, Cabri Heath they entertained AFC St Austell. Yeah, just a small matter of twelve goals. Uh, in this fixture, unfortunately for the Heath, only four of them coming uh, uh, for the home side, uh, three of which came for Sasha Tongle pretty late on, unfortunately. Uh, AFC Snorstall uh, storming into a, a four goal lead at the break, and uh, yeah, never really looking back. Uh, Heath, as we say, battled to the end, uh, scoring quite a few um, yeah, in, the, in the final moments, but um, yeah, unfortunately, no match for, for their, uh, their Cornish opponents, and uh, yeah, um, Heath unfortunately knocked out. I mean, I wasn't at the game, uh, but I was keeping an eye on Twitter uh, whilst I was at, um, at Westbury on, uh, on Saturday. And I think <clears throat> it was pretty clear by half-time that there was only going to be one winner in that game. But, I mean, 
you've got to take your hat off to Cadbury Heath. They they must they went up they went after it in the second half, and I mean they you know ultimately they paid the price. But if you're going to go, yeah. you know, if you're going to go, you might as well go with a bang. And they gave it a you know they, they they made a damn good fist of it. And I think we should we should take our hats off because you know they didn't they didn't play damage imitation. They didn't lick their wounds. They went after a result which ultimately eluded them. But you know it wasn't for the lack of trying there. No, absolutely not. Um, scoring four goals is, is no mean feat in any time. Obviously, to let in eight is the, the disappointing thing. But yeah, and a, and a good crowd there to see it as well. So obviously, they got their very much got their money's worth. And uh, yeah, I'm sure they can uh, look forward to maybe another run in, in the bars next season. Yeah, well, we'll see if they can go well in the Les Phillips Cup this Indeed. season. They're still, still going on for that. Now. A couple of weeks ago, when um, uh, Kerry Miller and I were uh, were previewing the FA Vars third round ties, I think. Uh, we got the feeling that Cribs, being the only one of our member sides who were away from home, really, they were the ones that we thought were the most vulnerable, and uh, particularly going to Saltash United. But um, that didn't quite prove to be the case, did it, Tom? <laughs> no, uh, it looked like it would be at one stage. 2-1 uh, down, um, uh, 10 minutes from time. Now, they had gone ahead uh, from the spot from George Keller in the seventh minute, uh, but then Saltash... Uh, Playing at, playing at their home ground, managed to fight back. And, uh, yeah, they were leading. Leading 2-1 with, I think it was eight minutes left on the clock. Uh, down Spicer then uh, hit, hit, a, hit a wicked free kick uh, to level things up. Uh, but then it was and it was Cribs who, uh, who pushed on and got, got the victory. Uh, two more goals, a goal mass scramble, uh, eventually uh, fired home by Marcus Kelly, put them ahead. Uh, and then rubbing salt into the wounds in, in stoppage time, Sol Wanjar-Smith. Uh, scoring with his head on the counter-attack. I don't know if you've seen the goal. I think it's doing the rounds on uh, social media. Um, interesting, interesting uh, way to finish the game. And, uh, yeah, it's Cribs who come over the, the famous 4-2 victory. Uh, Tony Beecham, the Cribs manager, is a, is a friend of the podcast. We've had him on already this season, but really was a standout fixture for us at the weekend, a fantastic result for Cribs that you know many of us didn't expect. So I had to give Tony a ring, and I started off my interview with him by asking him whether a win away at Saltash United was something that he expected. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, we've done our homework on him a little bit, um, and we were quite confident going into a game. So, yeah, definitely, we... we we wanted to get the result and we finally got it in the end. Well, you left it late. How was your blood pressure by the end? Well, it's a good job I got no hair because otherwise it would have fell out by the end. But um, but no, we, we rode our luck. Um, they're a strong side, Saltash, very strong side. Um, we started the game really well, um, took, got to the, the lead early on for a penny and then we lost our way a bit for a good... I don't know, 60, maybe 65 minutes. And then we had to change a few ring, things around because we were chasing the game. And finally, we got a breakthrough and then obviously went on to win the game, which is a fantastic achievement for us, really. I mean, was there an element of the match where you, you, you were clearly the underdogs, particularly going away? Um, was there an element where the, the boys could play with a bit more? There wasn't the pressure necessarily on them. They could express themselves a little bit more. Yeah, there was, obviously. Um, like I say, we, we're, we're a young side. We're a, we've got a few experienced lads, but we had a couple of key players missing. Um, but we went into the game, and, and like I say to them all the time, just go and express yourself and enjoy your football. And these young lads certainly come through it. And uh, like I said, it was a great achievement. The game, of course, was postponed um, by a week. Um, I mean, did that postponement help you at all? Not really, no. No, we had, we had two lads out suspended, obviously, for the FA bars. 
Um, we, we actually travelled down the first week. We got to Bridgewater before they postponed it, so we had to turn back round. And we were surprised it was on this Saturday. Um, and when we arrived there, obviously the referee weren't very keen. Um, they put a lot of sand down on the on certain areas of the pitch. Um, and when he'd done a pitch inspection, um, he wasn't keen. But we both wanted to start the game. And lucky enough, it went ahead and obviously we come through. Well, you've got Shoaling in the next round. It doesn't get any easier, does it? It's certainly done. That's a massive, massive task for us now. Um, obviously, it's a massive achievement for us to get this far. Um, I think we're the only Bristol side left in it now. Um, and it's a credit to our lads, to be fair. Um, and we'll, we'll relish that. We'll relish playing Shoaling. They're on a great run at the moment. Like you say, we'll do a little bit of homework on them. And uh, we'll, we'll give it a real good go. Now, when I spoke to you in October, you'd used 33 players. How many? How many is that up to now? Well, I wouldn't like to say. I wouldn't like to say. No, to be honest, we've we've settled down, mate. We've we've got the majority of lads back. Um, we have got a couple of injuries at the moment, but we got the availability back now. And and obviously Saturday it keeps everybody on their toes because we got to wait now till January to play the next round. We're still in the trophy, uh, which is a local tournament, and we've got five games now from from obviously starting tomorrow until we play Shoulin and I'll be looking for the boys to uh, pick up some points and move up the table now. Now, the, the other thing um, I can remember about our previous conversation was that you were 15th in the league at the time, and um, you're 15th in the league at the moment. But your results haven't been that bad at all, a point away at Bridgewater and at Willand. So, I mean, has the FA Vars run perhaps given you a false league position? I believe so, yes. Um, like I said before, we're, we're always, on our day, we can match anyone in this league. We picked up a point at Willem, we picked up a point at Bridgewater um, and believe it or not we haven't played a home game for over nine games now um, in the league which is which is a bit it's a bit of a shocking thing really because uh, obviously you like to play home games but we have 15 home games coming up in the new year um, and we'll be looking to push high up that league now and hopefully we can get in that top six, seven uh, where I believe we've, we should be well, you've got bitten up next and then cleaved in away. Those matches won't be easy, but having one at Saltash, playing away from home, clearly can't hold much fear for you. No, definitely. Definitely not. We'll go to Bitten tomorrow. Obviously, a good power of mine is the system manager, Rob Siege, had him with me a few years ago. So we'll go there. Like I said, we're full of confidence at the moment. Um, they're, they're obviously on a great run as well, Bitten. So we'll go there with, with full, of, full of confidence and uh, give it a real good go. And hopefully we can pick up some points. Uh, going into Saturday's game. And my thanks to Tony for his time. Now we have a look into the Premier Division. And um, only one game here didn't beat the weather, Plymouth Parkway and Bitten. That one they'll have to do again. Um, but other, other than that, a pretty, um, pretty full uh, list of fixtures. And, um, well, plenty of goals as well. We start off at Bridport, where the visitors were Clevedon Town. Yeah, and it was uh, Clevedon uh, who ran away for three points. Uh, in this one, level at the break. Uh, they'd gone ahead through uh, Sid Camper, uh, but then Bridport managed to, to level things up. Leighton Thomas, uh, just before half time, uh, to send the game into the interval at 1 1. Uh, but it was Clevedon who very much pushed on after the break, uh, grabbing, grabbing the victory. Uh, Lucas Lowell, uh to the four once again, and uh, midway, through, midway through the second half, uh, he managed to score uh, before, adding a, before then adding a third. And it was, um, yeah, Archie Ferris wrapped up the victory 10 minutes in time. So it was uh, Clevedon, 4-1 victors uh, eventually away at Bridport. Very good second-half performance from them. 
Absolutely right. Now, um, we mentioned Clevedon Town last week on the podcast, very much in connection with their under-18s. And I wanted to get in touch with the club to preview that game. And that's exactly what we are about to do. Well, I'm delighted to welcome to the Tool Station Western League podcast for the first time. It's Alex White, uh, one of the coaches at Clevedon Town, but more importantly, the manager of their under-18 side. Now, we'll be coming to that later in the interview, but um, we'll start off by asking... Alex, um, you had a great 4-1 win away at Bridport at the weekend, but things were looking a lot closer at half-time. Thank you, Ian. Um, yeah, it was a really... It always is a tough place to go down at Bridport. Um, it's on a difficult conditions, it must be said, and I think it was a really, really tough game for us, despite what the scoreline suggests. First half, I thought Bridport were the better side. Um, they caused us a lot of problems and we had to, to match, we had effectively matched them up at half time to try and to combat their threats. But then second half we came out and I thought we were excellent. We, we were, we were energetic, we were lively, we played some really, really good football and we were ruthless in front of goal and probably, I think Bridport will have to agree, we ran out, we ran out, probably deserved 4-1 winners in that one. So it's a really, really good three points for us. Now, your form in the league has been very impressive of late. You've had wins against Hengrove and Roman Glass. You're handily placed in fifth. Are you happy with that? I mean, absolutely delighted because, um, as probably been well documented, we're a very, very young squad uh, with an average age of about 20, 21. So coming into the season, we weren't really sure where we were going to be at. Um, we kind of looked at it and said, we're going to play the old cliche and take one game at a time, but... Um, looking back on it, it's been a really, really good start to the season for us. And 11 wins and 7 losses suggest that we're an entertaining team. Um, and that's what we want to do. We want to play attractive football, be exciting and, and get the best out of the players we've got. So, yeah, really, really happy with how the season's going at the moment. What were your ambitions for the side going into the start of the campaign? Difficult to say because it is a, a pretty much a, a really, really young squad. And with young players, you're never sure how they're going to take to the level. Um, Although we are a young squad, we have got players who've played quite a lot of games in the tool station. So initially, I think with everyone in the league, you're, you want to get your 10 wins on board, your 30 points to make sure you stay in the league. That's first and foremost. The quicker you can get there, the better. Um, with us, I think that was always the, the key is to get those 10 wins, which we now have, thankfully. But um, when you're kind of winning games, you just want to keep winning them. So at the start of the year, it was hard to put a you know, position on where we want it to be. But looking back, this is kind of the top end of the table is probably where we deserve to be and we want to stay. Now, you, you're at home to Cribs on Saturday. They've had mm-hmm. a, fast, a fantastic result in the FA Vars. That's a, that's a very exciting game for you. It is. Uh, so congratulations to them, first and foremost, to get this far in the competition is, is an incredible achievement. And, you know, they're a good side. They're, they'll cause us problems on the weekend. We had a really good game down at their place last year. We beat, uh, sorry, earlier in the season. We beat them 2-0, but it was um, a really, really tight game. And we're expecting more of more the same. They've got some creative players. They, they're, again, a younger squad. They're energetic. And the game's always really tight. So I expect a fully footballing game on this one. Now, that's the FA Vars, but you've got a rather important fixture coming up in the FA Youth Cup, haven't you? We have indeed. We've, um, we've been handed a bit of a, a once-in-a-lifetime tie at home against Manchester City in the third round of the FA Youth Cup proper, which, um, for a club of our size, is, like I said, it's probably never going to happen again, and it's... Um, it's a bit David versus Goliath-like, and if you can just say it's the magic of the FA Cup and all that, but it's a very exciting title, one we're looking forward to. 
Well, you you had a bit of a reprieve, didn't you? Um, against um, in in the, in the previous round, you you did it, you you lost that game to Sutton. But I mean, to to even take Sutton United, who are in the you know I think they're in the National League. Um, That's right. Yeah. Um, to take their under 18s to extra time, that was a that was a pretty pretty good achievement. I mean, it, at the time, did you think that was your cup final? Did you reflect on that and think, well, we've had a good roll of the dice, so um, I'm happy with that? Well, it's, a, it's a bit of a cliche from the from the start of the FA Youth Cup. We've kind of taken one, one game at a time, really. I mean, first round we beat uh, first qualifying round we beat Bath City. Um, which for, for us is an incredible coup because being them a conference south side, but then we've gone through the rounds and got better and better as we've gone through. Um, and then we actually drew in, our, in, the, in the first round of the FA Youth Cup. We got we drew Aldershot away, um, which was a fantastic experience. And Aldershot being an ex-football league club was a brilliant tie for us. Uh, we went over there and beat them 4-1. So then to get the tie against Sutton um, was then you know a, a great test for us to, to see how we can deal with playing against one of the you know the top non-league clubs in the country and then we did run them close I thought I thought we were the better side on that day um that's why it was probably a tough one to take I mean on the day they did have the legs on us and and, and done us at the end of extra time which was tough but um with everything that happened obviously very exciting to be reinstated into the competition and been handed this dream tie yeah, it's a Cinderella story, isn't it, really? I mean, um, you mentioned that, that, that Clevedon Town are a young side uh, with, a, mm-hmm. with, a, with, a, with a young average age. But, I mean, how many of your under-18 side have been able to get first-team football in the Western League? So, last year we have a pretty incredible stat. Um, last year we had 162 players from our under-18s play in the first team throughout the season. Um, and this season we're on course to, to replicate, uh, replicate, if not better that as well. So at the moment we've got six of our under-18s in our regular first team um, playing week in, week out in the matchday squad. Uh, again, which is pretty unheard of for this level of football. So we just need to keep persisting with it. We we buy into the model from everybody from chairman down to team man. Um, and it's something that we believe in and which has proven to be quite successful for us. Now, you're obviously a coach with the first team and you are the manager of the under-18s. But there does seem to be um, a, a very neat relationship between the way that the club wants its younger players to progress into the first team. So could, could you explain a little bit about how that works? Yeah, so we've kind of looked at it and gone um, we've, from the outset, from the top down, we've, we've looked at what's successful for us and our young players coming through is a key um, key factor and where, where we think we can move forward now. So what we've decided to do is we want to be a club which is the envy of the South West for young players coming through. And we want to be, you know, we do want to be a club that produces football players for Cleveland Town for the next 10 years. We want to be a football club that's a stepping stone to, to move boys into semi-professional football and hopefully higher. So we've looked at it and um, we thought, how can we do that? We want to give our young players a chance. And we've got our, co- you know, there's three of us on the coaching staff, both myself, first team manager Mickey Bell and other first team coach Ashley and Evans. We all work in both groups. Groups. Um, so the three of us will work with the under-18s and will work with the first team to make that transition between the under-18s to first team a smooth one. So we familiarise ourselves with the players, we understand what they're going through, who's in good form, who maybe isn't in good form. Um, so we're closely monitoring it and it's just a, a nice environment for our players to come through. Well, the most important information we can give out in this interview, of course, is when that game against Manchester City is taking place. And it's happening at, uh, on December the 19th at the Hand Stadium. It's a 7pm kickoff, isn't it, uh, Alex? 
It is, yeah. So it's um, as you said, Wednesday the nineteenth of December, seven o'clock kickoff. Tickets are on sale. Um, we've sold over a thousand tickets already, which is an unbelievable number. So it's you know be the biggest crowd that the the grounds had in years. So. Um, if anybody's having a you know fifty fifty about it, it's five pounds for adults, three pounds for for concessions, and two pounds for under sixteen. So um, feel free to come along. I'm sure it'll be a special night and you know a chance to watch one of the best academies in world football at the moment. Absolutely, and um, I mean it's. Uh, I, I know that on social media the club have put out messages to say that um, you know parking spaces obviously will be limited. People need, need to get to the ground early, and um, you know pr- preferably car share if they can. But actually, uh, anybody thinking about just turning up on the night, it might be a good idea to keep a good um, keep a good eye on your website on the Clevedon Town website because frankly. It could be. Um, I mean, we, we we could be we could be talking about a sellout, couldn't we? Potentially, um, definitely. In terms of what you just said about the transport issues, it's something that we're looking into um, as to how to deal with the car parking situations and how we can put transport onto. You know, even if you can't park at the ground, we're looking into ways that people can park in town and maybe get a park and ride in or get dropped off. That's something that details will follow on that. But the numbers in terms of the tickets sold, as I said, over a thousand have already been sold. Um, we haven't put a cap on it yet because we don't think we need to and we don't want to because we want to try and get as many people there as possible. Um, so, you know, it's going to be a special occasion. We want to see, you know, we want as many people to be there as possible. So um, it'd be a great opportunity for people to come along and, you know, we, we will try our best to accommodate as many people as possible. But, you know, the way it's going, it is looking towards heading towards a sellout, you're correct. Alex, thank you very much indeed. I'm not going to ask in this interview to, for you to give me a score prediction, um, <laughs> but what I will say is that you know it, it, it's been great to speak to you today, and it's obviously the best of the West against mm-hmm. the best of the rest of the world. So with that in <laughs> that's mind, not, that's a good saying. I think we'll take that one into the uh, into the dressing room beforehand to let the players know. So no, thank you very much, Ian. I really appreciate the uh, really appreciate the uh, podcast and and hopefully see everyone there. Absolutely. Well, we're behind you. The Western League's behind you. Well, the West of England's behind you. Um, so hopefully you can uh, you can do us all proud. I'm sure you will. And um, it'll be great to catch up with you later in the season. Win, lose or draw, it doesn't matter. You know, it's a fantastic opportunity. It's a fantastic advertisement for your club and uh, for the Somerset and Floodlit League, we should also say. So, so really good luck. And um, we've got everything crossed for you. Now we move to Buckland. Eight goals in here, and the visitors were um, league leaders Bridgewater Town. Yeah, and uh, Buckland, another team, uh, just like Cleveland, as we just mentioned, uh, a, a sublime second-half performance, leading them to the victory. It was a 5-3 win over Bridgewater eventually, so quite ca- quite some game down at uh, Homer's Heath. Uh, Bridgewater, as you say, uh, league leaders and, uh, yeah, league's top scorer. Uh, Jack Taylor, he got the ball rolling for them uh, very early on, uh, put them ahead. Uh, Buckland uh, then managing to, to level things up from the spot through Richard Groves uh, before Bridgewater went back ahead uh, just before half-time with Jake Brown heading home uh, thanks to an Ian Bellinger uh, set-piece. Uh, but it was Buckland who, very, yeah, as I say, very much enjoyed the, the best of the second half. Chris McPhee managing to level things uh, on the hour mark uh, with then Jordan Ewing, uh, 15 minutes from time, giving them their first lead of the afternoon. Uh, and then Jamie Richards added a, added a fourth uh, with uh, Richard Groves, the man who, man who scored their first, adding a second uh, for himself late on. And it was eventually a 5-3 win uh, for Buckland, which, yeah, quite some result for uh, Richard Tearsman. 
we've picked out there Bridport and Buckland. Both teams were at home, and of course, both teams last season suffered well a terrible run of fixture cancellations in the inclement weather. But uh, it's a relief that those two sides uh, managed to get it on um, when um, when a few others in the Western League um, um, fell foul to the bad weather. Yeah, indeed. I mean, especially Buckland, um, obviously, had their troubles at the start of this season as well. Um, really bad run, as you mentioned. And, uh, yeah, to put Bridgewater to the sword quite like they did, um, yeah, certainly open a few eyes uh, over the next couple of months. They might be, a, might be a side that can definitely push up the table. Well, one other side that will be featuring in the Premier Division was Westbury United, still unbeaten, of course, and uh, they entertained Brislington. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Capitalising on uh, Bridgewater's defeat, uh, now just sit one point behind them. So, uh, yeah, Westbury continuing to, to, to storm it at the top uh, of the table. Uh, all four goals in this game coming in the space of 15 minutes in the first half, so I hope you were there for those. Uh, Karen Demkiv uh, scoring twice, obviously uh, Westbury leading marksman this season, uh, giving them control of the fixture uh, before Scott Sh- sorry, before Sol Shearer, uh, half the deficit, just, just before half-time. Uh, but there was still time for, for Westbury to sneak in the third, Josh Ferguson uh, restoring their two-goal advantage. And uh, yeah, that was how it stayed in the second half. And as you say, keeping their uh, unbeaten run in, in, intact and uh, a 3-1 win for Westbury over Brislington. Yeah, well, I did manage to catch all of those goals in the first half. I think we have to give Brislington their due, actually. Um, you know, we've talked about before on the podcast that they're a difficult side to beat. And I felt that for the first half an hour of that game, um, they were the better side. I mean, there wasn't a great deal in it, in fairness. But Brislington had had two good chances to take the lead. They were certainly putting more pressure on the Westbury goal and had more possession in the Westbury half and their final third um, than Westbury were able to muster. But um, I think it must be a, you know, a, a, it's a characteristic of their season so far that, you know, they get an opportunity to break and they take it. You know, and in Callum Denkiv, they've got one hell of a goal scorer and of course they had him to thank for that quick fire double I feared the worst for Brislington at that point I thought they might uh, roll over having played so well for the first half an hour and that the game might be out of sight but certainly not the case Um, you know really in that 2-1 that's uh, you know they deserved that goal and I thought that was going to set us up nicely um, for the uh, for the second half but Ferguson's third I think um, I think that took the game that took the game away um, from Brislington uh, just enough, because the second half never really had um, the sort of explosive impact um, of the first, which is a shame, because I needed something to keep me warm um, for those second 45 minutes, and uh, so I was quite relieved, as I think many were, when the referee blew his whistle and we all got to go and stand by the radiator in the clubhouse. But a very, very pleasant visit to Westbury. They roll on, uh, and um, you know I'm sure Brislington were disappointed, because I say, for, for, for long periods of the game, I thought they were um, a very well organised and uh, you know really good, uh, really good side. So uh, I have no, I have no compunction blowing their trumpet because I thought they did well. But I mean Westbury United, there's not many teams in this um, in this country that remain unbeaten at the moment. Um, so um, I think with uh, with Neil and the fact that Neil and Joe Kirkpatrick can um, can put themselves up on a on a pedestal with um, with Jurgen Klopp um, says says a great deal about the uh, the quality of Westbury and indeed the uh, the Tool Station Western League Premier Division. Anyway. Bo- 
Boss, we need some supplies for tomorrow. Oh, what's that? It's the helping hand from Toolstation. But it's a... Uh... A hand, yes. It's showing me around the Toolstation website. Nice. Yeah. I've selected paints, cables, sealant and plumbing fittings. I can check up to the minute stock, hit this button, thanks hand, and it's ready to collect in 20 minutes. So get the van. Can't the hand? It can't reach the pedals. Fair enough. Click and collect. Another helping hand from Toolstation. Your best mate for the job. <clears throat> we'll um, we'll move now into the first division, and our first game is a th- is a six goal thriller between Chippenham Park and Wells City. Yeah, I think I'd probably make this one uh, game of the day uh, for excitement and entertainment. Uh, Chippenham Park, obviously, a little bit lower in the table than Wells, and uh, yeah, so no surprise when Wells did run out into a two goal lead at the break. Uh, first half goals from Mark Randall, and then Lu- uh, new signing Lewis Williams. Uh, yeah, very much putting them in control. But then uh, Chippenham Park has actually been um, really well in front of goal recently. Uh, seem to be scoring at least twice a game, so they're certainly not shy shy, shy, shy for goals. And it was uh, Reese Tamlash scoring twice after the break, and then also a goal from Joel Smedley to completely turn the game on its head, uh, giving them a 3-2 lead pretty late on. Uh, but unfortunately, all their, all their hard work, or most of their hard work, was undone. Uh, well, managing to, to salvage a point really late on, and it was Randall scoring a second of the afternoon in uh, in stoppage time, and uh, yeah, made it three all. So yeah, uh, to to grab a share of the spoils, and uh, yeah, very entertaining afternoon at Harden Hughes Park. Excellent. Uh, now, um, I think this was my game of the uh, of the weekend actually. Longwell Green Sports taking on um, Cheddar, and um, you know Cheddar the victors, but um, they were made to work for it, weren't they? Yeah, indeed. Um, very much so. Uh, just a 2-0 victory for them. And, uh, yeah, for much of the game, it was only only one goal separating the sides. Uh, an own goal at that pretty early on uh, to give them a, give them the lead. Obviously, away from home, you're, you're never expecting to, to go to these places and find it easy. But, um, yeah, so it so won the luck pretty pretty early on. But uh, that was how it stayed for, for long periods, as I say. Someone's been very much keep, keeping in the game. Uh, before late on, it was Adam Jones, obviously. Uh, one of the one of the one of Cheddar's uh, big hitters in front of goal. He managed to to score late on to settle things, and uh, yeah, and uh, they wrapped the cheese man eventually running out of the two 0 victory. And finally, in the first division, we have a look at Wing Canton Town. They've been in a good run of form of late, and uh, the visitors um, were Bishop Sutton. But uh, on this occasion, Tom, only one team mm-hmm. was at the races. Only one team. Uh, yeah, pretty convincing six-one uh, victory for for Wing Canton. Uh, Toby Dalton Cole, he's doing uh, yeah, doing doing sterling work for for them this season. He's now up to 14 league goals, I think, following this uh, this this brace. And uh, yeah, there was uh, also goals from Connor Williams, Brett Cottrell, Jamie Owen, and Patrick Golden. So yeah, just the six for for Wincanton, the six-one victory at home to Bishop Sutton. And uh, yeah, continuing to do good things down there. Now we'll take a look uh, at the, the week ahead. There is a Premier Division tie, which will probably have happened by the time you're listening to this week's podcast. So uh, that was on Tuesday the 11th of December with Bitten taking on uh, Cribs. In fact, Cheddar also in action against um, Chippenham Park in the First Division. Uh, Wednesday the 12th of December, Cabri Heath uh, take on Chipping Sodbury Town. Uh, but we'll take a look uh, at the fixtures on Saturday, the 15th of December. We'll do our preview there. And uh, what's caught your eye in the Premier Division, Tom? Uh, there's only one place to, to look, really. Uh, Bridgewater, Willand. Uh, so, obviously, Bridgewater smarting a little, maybe, uh, following that defeat on the weekend. And, uh, yeah, they don't, um, certainly don't get an easy fixture to come back into, into life uh, in, in the Premier Division. And it's, uh, yeah, just, just a short, short matter of a, of a Willand Rovers team. 
um, yeah, very much, very much one of the hot sides in the division at the moment. They travel to Bridgewater, and yeah, this is um, yeah, extremely entertaining fixture. Hopefully, um, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how seeing, seeing what happens on Saturday afternoon. Well, two more of the of the division's big hitters are Bitten and Bradford, and they um, uh, they play uh, on Saturday as well. That would be my pick. Although um, I'll give an honourable mention to Shepton Mallet against Buckland Athletic. Buckland appear to have sort of returned to winning ways, and if Shepton Mallet have, then that um, that game has um, all the hallmarks of being quite entertaining. Of course, it's a rerun of last season's Les Phillips Cup final, and I'm sure Shepton Mallet will have um, some. Matters of revenge on their hand. Um, but anyway, we look forward to seeing how that one pans out. And what about in the first division, Tom? Yeah, a couple of couple of big games. I think the one uh, eventually plumped was, uh, was third versus second. So we've got Canesham, obviously doing uh, yeah doing extremely well at the moment. I think it's 10 wins in 11 uh, now for them. Uh, and they take on Chard uh, up in second. So yeah, very much a, a promotion battle, you know, it looks like, between these two sides. It's probably going to materialise come the end of the season. So... Uh, this could be a very important game, even though it's uh, taking place in December. So, yeah, um, that should be a big one down at the Crown Field. And, um, well, well, we've got a few games, actually, again, that sort of tickle my fancy. We've got the Brett Partner Derby, um, Radstock taking on Chippenham Park. And um, uh, Welton Rovers, actually, just down the road, they take on Inform Wincanton Town. So um, that should be interesting. But I'm going to go for Wells City against Cheddar. Um, I think Wells, on their day, um, as we know, are a, are a handy side, and Cheddar, of course, have been in great form. So um, I think that's going to be my pick um, of the first division. We did the um, uh, we did the goal scorers last week, didn't we, Tom? Mm-hmm. So we're going to yeah. have a little bit of it. We'll cast our eye down the old league table, and um, do you want to kick us off in the Premier Division? How's it looking up at the top there? Cool, yeah. So we've got uh, Bridgewater. They've played half their league fixtures now. They've played nineteen. Uh, so obviously suffering a defeat on the weekend, which was their third of the season. Uh, but they still sit top 19 games played to say, and they're on 42 points. Uh, we then got the unbeaten Westbury, uh, second place, 15 games played, so four less than Bridgewater, and they're just a point behind on 41. Uh, we then got Willand, who played 16, now on 39, so that proves just how big uh, Saturday's game is against uh, Bridgewater. Uh, and then we got Bitten as well, just 13 games played for them, so six less than Bridgewater, and they're on 33 points. Uh, as are Clevedon, uh, and they've played 18. So, yeah, uh, those five uh, d- definitely uh, definitely pulling away a little bit at the top. Uh, Plymouth Parkway and Sixth only played 13 league games as well, so they've certainly got a little bit of time to, to catch up. Down at the bottom, poor old Shortwood, still the strongest in the league, holding the rest of them up, yet to get that first point. Um, Hengrove above them. Um, I'm, I'm sure that they wouldn't expect to find themselves... Um, in 19th at this stage of the season. Um, so still with plenty of work to do. 17 played, only 7 points. And then 8 points above them is Roman Glass and George. How they found themselves there, I've got absolutely no idea because I keep on tipping them as one of my teams of the week, so it's probably my fault. 15 played, 15 points. Above them, Brislington. Um, 18 played, 16 points. I certainly thought that, uh, certainly on uh, Saturday's performance, they looked a team that's better than, um, uh, than 17th. And then we've got Cabri Heath, Played only twelve. They they're on sixteen points as well. So it's quite congested down at the um, at, um, towards the bottom end of the Premier Division. I imagine that a few of those sides, if they can go on a run, um, will, um, will will bring themselves back up into uh, into mid table. Now um, we'll have a we'll have a look in the first division and uh, and uh, who are the runners and riders doing well in the first division at the moment? Okay, so we've got Cheddar. Uh, they're top at the moment. Fifteen games played for them, so that's less than. Uh 
less than everybody else in the division. So obviously doing doing good things down there. They've got 12 wins and they're on 38 points. Uh, they're joined on 38 points by the two two next place sides. We've got Chard and Kane, Sean, obviously, as I said, playing each other on the weekend. Chard have played 17 matches with a goal difference of 28. Uh, Kainsham, they've played 18 uh, with a goal difference of 21. So that's how the top three are, three are split at the moment. Um, and then we've got Calm uh, on 34 points. Uh, they've played 17 matches, so very much still still, uh, you know, still a threat towards the top three. And uh, we've got Caution as well, 18 games played, now on 33 points. And then we've got uh, another three teams who are very much in touch. Uh, Wells on 30 points, and then Welton and Ashton Backwell both on 29. So, uh, yeah, not quite as congested as it was that's in the last time we looked at this. Certainly, uh, yeah, top three or four seems to be pulling away a little bit. But, um, yeah, certainly uh, certainly exciting at the top of the, uh, the top of the first division right now. Well, we're getting a sense of deja vu, aren't we? Because um, do you remember that race between Canesham, um, Westbury, and Roman Glass last season? Yeah. And that, that they were, they were, they were exchanging the league lead, <laughs> weren't they, on an almost weekly basis? Those two like sides. It, yeah. <laughs> and um, and frankly, the fact—I mean, I appreciate that Cheddar have got three games in hand over Canesham, but I mean, all three to have all three of them locked on thirty-eight points. You know, I mean, <laughs> if you're a Canesham fan, you're thinking, "Oh my God, not again!" Here we go. Again. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Um, but uh, we'll see, won't we? We'll see. That's what that's what that's what makes it exciting. Um, down at the bottom of the table, Bristol Telephones played seventeen. Uh, they've, they're on eight points, uh, four points above them. Poured his head. They've also played seventeen. They're on twelve. Then we've got two teams locked on thirteen points. Radstock Town uh, played seventeen. They're on thirteen. And Chippenham Park and um, played sixteen. They're on thirteen. And of course, that um, perhaps highlights just how important that match between those two sides is at the weekend. And only two points above them. Uh, is Oldland Abertonians. They've played 18 uh, and um, uh, they're on 15 points. And then it's Bishops Lydiard. And uh, they have been in a bit of a poor run of form. Uh, they seem to be had a buyer win at the moment. Um, they're on 17 points, having played 17 games. So still pretty congested in that division. And it uh, be interesting to see whether any of those sides can play themselves out of trouble down at the bottom and work their way towards the top of the table. Uh, now then, Tom... Um, We've been reviewing, as we always do, your excellent Western League bulletin. Uh, the listeners, they can find this on the Western League website. They can, yeah, uh, in the usual places. So on the uh, on the home page, uh, it's about halfway halfway in the middle, uh, halfway down. Uh, and then it's also, yeah, there's a tab along the top which should take you to the uh, most recent post. So, yeah, that looks back on on the previous week's uh, comings and goings in the Western League. Excellent stuff. Now, are your excellent um, uh, words in the uh, in the non-league paper? Indeed, yeah, a couple hundred, couple hundred words of the uh, on the uh, Premier Division. Uh, looking back on on the weekend's games, so yeah, that's uh, in the step five and six section in the uh, on league paper. Excellent stuff. Well, Tom, thank you very much for your time. I hope by the time I speak to you next week, um, you've got all your Christmas decorations up and you're you're feeling in the festive mood because I've got a sneaking suspicion our our little uh, our little our, our office Christmas party is coming up um, <laughs> soon, so we'll be able to bring um, the listeners alive. Um, well, I say a live version of the podcast. That really would be novel, okay. wouldn't it? We'll, 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 be we'll be recording it together. I think is really what I'm trying to say. I think if we would have yeah. send it out without editing it, particularly if drink had been taken, you know, I mean, who knows where we could end up? <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> on that bombshell from Tom and myself, this has been another Tool Station Westernly podcast. <laughs>